Well, we're still in the best sermon ever and uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and today and next week we're moving to a new section of it. Hey, and I, I, I wanted to mention one other thing. We, we had a little, um, I don't know what you call it, a little technical thing, and so we had a beautiful video to show uh, celebrating uh, the independence of our country, and so hopefully at the end of the sermon, after we get done with that stuff, we'll do it, okay? All right. Feel like I need to salute some of you. Where's Sam? Sam, oh, he's counting right now. He he had this flag shirt on. Everybody, walk, every time I walked by him, I had to go do that. I just, every time I walked by him, I had to do that. So hopefully we'll have that that video that uh, is a powerful video to share. But right now we are in Matthew chapter five. Are you ready? Verse thirteen, and uh, I wanted to let you know that our house renovation is virtually complete. Although, to my chagrin, the new custom-made glass shower doors, which I must squeegee every morning, (laughs) is binding just a little bit at the bottom. There's a panel in the door. Have you ever heard thick glass bind? It is the sound of demonic influence, I'm telling you. So hopefully I'll come back out and just make it a little wider, okay? But we're almost done. Hey, uh, grateful for that. No waiting for construction supplies. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful. During this time, though, about a year's process, I discovered at least two uh, worthless building supplies. See if you can relate. The first one is caulk. Does anyone know about caulk? Has anyone ever operated a caulking gun? You have to have a license for those, by the way. And I'm good about, uh, I, I usually put a nail, a good nail in the top of it, you know, seal it up good because you may not use the whole tube or there's a leftover tube. And as you know, the price of building supplies these days, even caulk is getting expensive. But here's what happens. Sometimes caulk dries out. Have you experienced that ever? And you can't get it out. And one time I was so determined, I, I had my green gun this time. I have a couple caulking guns and I had it on there and I'm going to get it out. And I squeezed as hard as I could and it wouldn't come out. You know what happened? It shot out the bottom and the sides and everything, just everywhere. So dried up caulk is worthless. The second worthless building supply that I discovered is paint. You may say, well, why? Paint is great. It covers a multitude of sins. Amen? Well, if paint gets frozen, its emulsion can be damaged. Are you aware of this? We have some scientists in the room. It makes it kind of clumpy and stringy. So if you've ever discovered that, you mix up the paint and it's just clump. Clumpy paint is not good to put on a wall. Are you aware of that? You just got to throw it away. And if it's the contractor white Sherman Williams, it's painful. It's about 75 bucks a gallon, but you got to throw the rest of that away if it freezes. So don't let your paint freeze. But both of these items were good for something, but they were rendered useless well, today we're looking at salt, of all things. In fact, we're compared to salt today. You may ask, how can that be? But I want you to note an overarching thought today as we look at salt. Salt is different than the item upon which it is placed. Would you agree with that? You don't put salt on salt. That doesn't make sense. And by nature and by purpose, it is different. And I would submit to you today, so are believers. By nature and purpose, We are different than the world. By nature, Scripture's clear, we're a new creation, born of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what is it? He's a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And by purpose, we are unique in that we are to preserve, penetrate, and flavor all that is around us. So I titled the sermon a little salty, and I just want to say to you today, I want to give you permission, let's be a little salty, okay? This is not sailor talk. This is not the Navy or something else. It's a different kind of salty, but let's be a little salty, church. As we talk about salt today, I want us to think about this. Here's the big idea. Let us strive to be good for something as opposed to being good for nothing. You hearing me? You hearing me? Each day matters. Time is short. For some of us, shorter than others. Time is short. And let's be good for something and not good for nothing. I think America is full of good-for-nothing churches, good-for-nothing Christians. Now, you may say, you're being judgmental. No, you'll see when we talk about salt what I'm talking about. But let's be known that we are good for something. Let's look at verse 13. We finished the Beatitudes, and here we go in this new section. Just one verse today. You, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything. See where I got that idea? You see that? Right out of scripture. No longer good for anything, but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. So we're coming out of the Beatitudes, and we're moving more into what the believer is. And we're looking at salty. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would understand what you're wanting to do in our lives, not in heaven, in eternity someday, but today on Sunday, tomorrow, this week, God, that we would listen to you, that we would heed your spirit living in us, prompting us, and that we would get a little salty, Lord. So help us to appropriate this verse of Scripture into our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Four points today. Number one is character. And you've already figured out what that is. The character is salty, being salty, a little salty. Our character is to be like salt. So what does that mean? Now, we could go on all morning and talk about salt. Are you aware of that? Maybe you've read a commentary or a book about that. But I picked out seven characteristics. That's a good biblical number, isn't it? Seven. So thankfully, we'll, we'll stop at seven. But number one, a thing about salt is this. Salt is distinctive. You see, the power of salt lies in its distinctiveness. We are to be distinctive from the world, and that's the question today. Are we? Are you distinctive from the world? Or do you look and taste just like the world? Can our world see that we are different? And my mind took me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it starts out with a command. You know it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Salt is distinctive. We are to be distinctive and different. 1 John chapter 2, 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
Salt is distinctive. It is different. You see, the power of our lives, the power of our testimony is found in our distinctiveness. Do you realize that in 2022 in these United States of America, if you share your Christian testimony, it might be a little different from what that person's thinking about, right? Or what that organization is thinking about. Or what is going on in the news. Or we could go on and on and on. Listen, it is very distinctive. And if our testimony is not distinctive, we're not very salty. If your testimony is the same as the world, you got troubles, brother. Sister, you got troubles. So number one, salt is distinctive. Number two, salt preserves. Now, it's a little harder for us to understand this today than in days past, but some of you have been around long enough to understand this. You see, salt keeps things from decaying. It cleanses. It disinfects. And in the ancient world, this was the number one purpose for salt. So I'm giving you seven characteristics, and there's more. But really, this was probably the number one that those readers would be thinking about, okay? It preserves. It's a preservative. You see, we are to serve in our Father's kingdom. We're to be His tools used by Him to bring the message of His rescue plan to our world. It still confounds me why God would choose to use humans who are saved to be his tools, but he continues to do that. So let us just submit to what God has chosen to do, and that's to use you and me in the world. And so if that is the case, let us preserve, let us cleanse, let us disinfect. 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25. Now that you have purified, okay, so there's the word. Think of salt like that, okay? Now that you have purified yourselves, how? By obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love, for one, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, it's talking about us, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. When we are salt of the earth, we have a certain antiseptic influence on life. Now let me just stop for a minute. It's not in the notes, but I'm prompted just to say that. Church, we cannot place all of our eggs in a basket or all of our hope in a certain law. Are you hearing me? Or a certain ruling. As much as I would like certain laws, amen? And certain rulings. Listen, we cannot do that because we are the salt of the earth. We are to be the antiseptic. Not some government thing or some societal thing. It's time for Christians to stand up and be part of cleansing our world and culture. Amen? Which means work. Which means we've got to get our hands dirty. Which means it could be painful. Which means someone might yell at us. But that's okay. That's what we're to be. The scripture says you, me, are the salt of the earth. Let me illustrate it this way. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Anybody? Do you remember that story in the Old Testament? Listen, it's clear. If Sodom and Gomorrah would have just had a few salty people, 
those cities would have been preserved from judgment. And we know the judgment of that, don't we? Number three, salt penetrates. It inserts, if you will. What, it, what does salt do? It inserts a new quality, a new substance, new life into something. It, as I said before, it changes that upon which it is put or placed. And believers, we're to do the same. We're to penetrate the world. We're to insert a new life into the world. Ephesians 4, 24. Put on your new nature. Again, it's another command. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Colossians 3.10. Put on your new nature. It's the same command. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. You see, salt penetrates this new life that we have, we're to penetrate, we're to make a difference, we're to be inserted. Listen, we've got to be inserted into our world, okay? I get to teach Sunday school twice today. Pretty pumped about that. I may fall asleep in the second Sunday school, but that's okay. It's good, right? Our world can't be about our great Sunday school class and our great worship service and our wonderful church. There's got to be more to it. We have to insert. Listen, you don't have to insert yourself into your class. You don't have to insert yourself into uh, the, the worship center here where we're gathered together. I mean, pick out. There's a chair. Pick out a nice 22-inch or whatever that is, 4-inch foam chair. It's great, right? That's easy. People love you. You're part of the way. They're part of the way. But insert myself into my neighborhood, into that relative living in habitual sin into that friend who needs counsel into that person at the school or that person at the job site where we instead of inserting ourselves into that life what do we do we step back we judge but more than that we get frustrated don't we when perhaps God, he calls us salt of the earth, he's wanting us to penetrate, to be inserted into that. Number four, salt flavors. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on. Are you not Baptist? Every good Baptist potluck has just the right amount of salt in the food, right? You don't open up the can of green beans and just pour it in a bowl and bring it to the potluck. No. I like to throw a little bacon in there. Anybody? Well, what's bacon? Salty. Wow, look at this. See, when I talk about food, man, y'all zone right in. It is amazing. You wake up, you perk up. Even those of you on the back row, man, I can see you right now. You're thinking, bacon, bacon, bacon. Salt flavors. What does it do? It influences the taste of things. So let me say it this way. Let me apply it this way. Christianity is to life what salt is to food. Christianity lends flavor to life. I cannot imagine my life without God saving me and God leading me. Can you? The abundant life, you know, the script, life to the full that Scripture talks about, that Jesus spoke about? Wow. Yeah, the presence, the influence of godly, salty Christian encourages, lifts others. I would even say it brings out the best in people. Church, we are to live 
not as a pain to others. We are to live as a blessing to others. We got to get salty. We got to flavor. We got to influence. We're to be a strong influence in our world. Well, how do we do that? Spirit living in us. You'll remember the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Colossians 4, 16. Your speech should always be gracious. Did you hear that? Your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Do you see what I mean about salty? Doesn't mean you have salty speech, you know, that kind of thing. But you're gracious, your speech is. It's seasoned with salt. Why? So that you may know how you should answer each person. What does that scripture tell me? It tells me that God working in my life can help me to know how to answer each person. I think sometimes we don't want to get out. We don't want to flavor the conversation. We don't want to flavor the marketplace. Why? Because we're not sure how to answer, right? What if someone asks a question that I can't answer? What if someone challenges me and they're like winning? No. We can, through God's help, know how to answer each person. Number five, salt is quiet. It's visible, but it works silently. Okay, I know, you might have a salt shaker. I have a grinder. In fact, I'm going to confess something to you. Overseas in Central Asia, where our kiddos are, there is, I can't pronounce it, it starts with a T, but there is a certain kind of salt, sea salt. And so we always bring that back, and I put it into the, we have a salt grinder, have you ever heard of that? So it does make a little bit of noise. But once, the, what I mean is, it, not, not that noise, but once the salt is on, whatever it's on, it's quiet. You might see it, but it works silently. It doesn't make noise when it's working like other things do. This is a really good reminder for me. Lord, let me be winsome to win some. You see, church, we don't need to bloviate all the time. We don't need to be grandiose. We don't need to be in your face. We need to allow God to work through us. And precisely, he gives us those words to say to others the example to be to others and we never know how God is working in that person's life. Amen? Amen. We've seen just recently people saved after years of questioning, of being discipled to the point of salvation. God's working. God's working. So salt is quiet. 1 Peter 3, 4, you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. So let us be that way. That's more attractive to people, don't you think? Instead of getting the megaphone out and standing on the corner and just screaming at people, you know, that doesn't accomplish a lot. Number six, salt spreads. Have you noticed that? I like to cook greens, collard greens to be example. We just had some this week, really good. But the time before, we had some, took over to Lynn's parents' house, and 
I think I got a little too much salt in the greens because the salt spread and it was a little bit salty, okay? So have you ever experienced the widespread effect of salt? Yes, we've got to be careful with that. Salt spreads. A believer's salt also spreads far and wide, though. You do not know. We will not know this side of heaven what our words about Christ, our witness, uh, working in people's lives, we may not know till heaven what, what impact that might have had on that person. We may have moved away. They may have moved away. We may have lost contact. We just do not know. But know that salt spreads. Acts 4.20. Now, Acts 4, you'll remember, uh, Peter and John have been arrested. You remember that? They're brought in front of the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, and they're told right before this, this passage of Scripture, they tell them, you are not to preach or teach Jesus. Do you remember that? They're told that. They're threatened. And here's the response, Acts 4.20. See if this is about salt spreading. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now, you were not there when Jesus walked in the earth as I was not. But if the Lord has saved you and transformed you, if you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have seen and heard some things. Amen? And we cannot be silent about that. We must spread that around. 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, reveal Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That is not just in your home or in your class. That is in your neighborhood. That is at the the job. That is wherever you might be. It might be the grocery store. It might be at a restaurant. It might be on a plane. I don't know where it might be. But we're to be ready to give uh, the reason for the hope that we have. And how can we do that? Because Christ is Lord. Number seven, you're like, I'm sure glad he didn't pick 40. That's a good biblical number as well. (laughs) Salt is uncontainable, uncontainable. You see, once salt is applied, it cannot be stopped. Good luck. You might try to cover it with hot sauce or something, but you can't. If it's too salty, it is. You see, a believer's salt, which I think is our witness, it's irrepressible. It cannot be stopped. Listen, your personal testimony cannot be stopped. No one can take that away from you. In fact, in all my years, I, I can't think of any time where someone objected or refuted my personal testimony. Well, they might have said, yeah, I don't believe in that, or yeah, it's for you, or whatever. But I never had anyone get in my face and say, that can't be right. You're lying to me. No, it cannot be stopped. What God has done in our lives, our personal lives, cannot be stopped. Let's share that with others. Maybe they won't believe the Bible. Maybe they won't listen to a bunch of Bible verses. I like the Roman road, do you? But maybe they won't. I don't want to hear that. But the personal testimony cannot be stopped. They may reject it, but it cannot be stopped. I want you to think about that. We're to live our lives in such a way that we create a hunger and thirst for the Lord. By the way we live and the way we witness, we've got to be salty. 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. Did you hear that? We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Our testimony pleads, it's, we don't even have to say it, it's clear. You need to be reconciled with God. You need to get right with the creator of the universe. 
And what's crazy is as we're ambassadors of the king, God is appealing through us. That blows my mind. Think about that for a minute. Have you ever thought about that? When I share a word about Christ, when I share a word of my testimony, God, I, I don't understand it. He is, a, he is in me and appealing through me. It's crazy to think about that. So the question this morning is, are you salty? Point number two is the location. Remember, our place of ministry is earth. You are the salt of the earth. Let me put it this way. It's your zip code. Wherever you live, it's Christian. It's not because, well, I've lived there for 40 years. It's not because, hey, I actually got a good deal on this house. It's not because, hey, that used to be my folks' house and it got passed down. No, God has placed you in your zip code. Not somebody else's, your. The location to be salty is the earth. Our time is now. Our world is tasteless. Our world is decaying, corrupt, and foul. Our world needs salt. God has placed you and me right here, right now, to serve him in the zip code. So Lamar, why is that not happening all over? Well, let me give you two warnings. Here's what I see happening with people. Number one, don't live as though you're already in heaven. Did you catch that? Don't live as though you are already in heaven. What I mean by that, safe and secure from everything and detached from your world. We are called to be salt of the earth. We are called to flavor the earth. We are not called to be salt of heaven. Do you see that, church? It blows my mind, not just here in Albuquerque, but everywhere. Man, I've been all over the world, and I've been all over the state of New Mexico, preaching, leading in all kinds of churches, and it's clear. There are Christians who think they get to retire from serving the Lord. Show me. Show me. Show me. VBS was a great example. There are some people that maybe they couldn't chase kids around, but they were doing certain things, serving the Lord, instead of saying, I can't because of this. I can't because I can't do this anymore. Listen, we don't get to retire. We're called to salt and flavor the earth, not heaven. Now take that as a warning, if that applies to you. Okay? Number two, the second warning. Don't store up or don't lock up all the salt in the salt factory. Well, what's the salt factory, church? Don't contain it all here. Don't lock it up. We need to be open. We got to take the salt here and we got to get it out into uh, our world, into our culture. Luke 10 2. And Jesus said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but you know it, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's interesting when they ask Jesus how to pray, Lord's Prayer, but when they ask Jesus what to pray about, you see what he said? Pray for laborers to go in the harvest. That tells me something, church. There is a harvest out there still. You may not think so, but there is. There's a harvest out there. Scripture says the reason the Lord tarries, the reason Jesus has not come back is because what? There's still people to be saved, to go, go into personal relationship with the Lord. So we, we've got to see that. The harvest is there. It just needs what? Workers. John 4, 35. 
Don't you say that there are still four months and then the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look to the fields, for they are ready for harvest. And I would say to us today, as we think about you are salt of the earth, that's our location, our zip code. What are we waiting for? I hope you're not waiting for heaven. And if you said that to me, I'm, don't take this personally. I'm, that's, I'm not talking about that because we all desire heaven, don't we? And some, boy, maybe we are crippled up or we're in great pain or we feel like we're towards the end of our life. We desire heaven. But I hope that's not ultimately what we're just waiting for. Isn't salvation so much more than a free ticket to heaven, a get-out-of-jail card? Boy, the Lord has stuff for us to do today and this week. Where? Right here on earth. Point number three, the mission. The mission is to salt the earth. It's clear. We are salt of the earth, not heaven. Did you see that? It doesn't say you might be the salt of the earth or you might get smart enough someday to be the salt of the earth. Jesus says to those folks, you are the salt of the earth. We're to penetrate, flavor, and preserve the earth. Now, there's two things necessary to be salty. I'm sure there's more, but you know I'm simple-minded sometimes, so I've got two for you today. Here's number one. You may say, duh, this is a duh moment. Ready? Go ahead and say it. Duh. Duh. I feel better. Okay. (laughs) If we're going to be salt of the earth, guess what? Believers have to have salt in themselves. It's not assumed. Mark 9, 50. Salt is good. But if the salt should lose its flavor, how can you make it salty? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. Listen, I think there's people running around who are having trouble being a little salty because they don't have any salt in them. They're not believers. Are you a believer? The scripture is clear. God loved you so much, sinner, just like me, that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, that you might not perish but have eternal life. The scripture says that God demonstrated his love to you. How did he do it? Christ Jesus died for you and for me to pay the price for our sin. You see, sin separates. Maybe you never heard that. Maybe you're sitting in your living room today or you're sitting in a chair right here and you've not heard that or not really. God hadn't let the light bulb go on in your head yet. But your sin separates you from God. And the only way to God, as he draws you, God gives you the faith to do what? To repent, to turn from your ways and run to him and ask forgiveness and ask him to save you and be your Lord. It's not anything you've done. He gives you the faith to do that. Is God doing that to you today? Run to him. Become salty. But to be salty, you've got to have salt. You've got to be a believer. The second thing I think is necessary to be salty is this. Believers must spread out into the world. Let me say it this way. Some of you will get this. Okay, the task is ours. It's a little catchy. There is no salt substitute. Have you ever been in someone's house? And they, and it says right on there, what? Salt substitute. What's the most famous salt substitute? What's that one out there that has little stuff in it? What? Yeah, Mrs. Dash. Or just, you know, part, partial salt or light salt or whatever. No. Listen, listen. There's no, when it comes to the spiritual things, there's no substitute for salt. You can't use Mrs. Dash. You've got to use salt. John 20, 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. 
As the Father has sent me, I also send you. You see that? The tasks are. It's not these people or that people. You are the salt of the earth. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. David's still in my verses again. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to where? The end of the age. Till I'm back. Till I come back. And Acts 1.8 we heard this morning as well. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's for us. Let us consider that. Let us realize that is our mission. Are you on mission? Hmm. Finally, point number four, there's a danger. And you'll remember the big idea that we mentioned at the beginning. You'll remember my opening illustration. Remember caulk and paint? The danger is being useless or becoming useless is a better way of saying it. Being useless stuff. The question is, are we useless? Are we good for nothing spiritually or are we good for something? An ever-present danger for any disciple of Christ is becoming useless and perhaps even destructive. Now, let me clarify something here, and it's kind of hard. It's, my version says, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? Okay, I want you to think about that for a minute. Technically, salt does not lose its saltiness and flavor. What is Jesus talking about? Well, note, in the time that Jesus roamed the earth, the salt of Palestine, where he was... They had salt back then, by the way. Gathered in such a way or manner that sometimes dirt and other impurities would get into it, would get mixed with it. Now, you wouldn't use salt that had dirt in it, would you? You wouldn't put that on your green beans, would you? Or something else? This is what he's speaking of. These impurities were mixed with the salt. And what happens is the salt becomes useless. It becomes good for nothing. Look at what the scripture says. It's no longer good for anything. It became useless, good for nothing. In fact, it could destroy the richness of the soil. It could really mess things up. Therefore, it was not only useless but destructive. So what happens? It's thrown out and trampled by men. Just throw it out on the path. Not good for anything. That soil's already gone. Just do it. Boy, that speaks to me. God, help me not to be a stumbling block for others. Are you a stumbling block for someone? Did you have to be so right that you alienated that person? Did you have to just drill down on that person and keep drilling? Even after they say, I give, you just kept going at it? Have you been too judgmental towards someone? Or some group of people. We could go on and on. Listen, Lord, help me not to be a stumbling block. I don't want to have these things mixed into my life. And I lose the saltiness. I lose the effect that I can have on the world. Luke 9, 62. There was a guy who told Jesus. This is what this guy said. Jesus has been talking. They're going back and forth. And this guy says, I will follow you wherever you go. Maybe you remember that. He's unnamed. I will follow you wherever you go. Here's Jesus' response, Luke 9, 62. But Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back 
is fit for the kingdom of God. Ouch. We call it backsliding. See, we must not backslide. We don't want to be thrown out and trampled. We're not losing our salvation, but uh, we're losing our influence. We're losing our flavoring. Think of this. If salt loses its flavor, what is going to restore its flavor? Nothing. Once the saltiness is gone or mixed up with impurity, it's gone. Well, how can this happen? How does this happen to the believer? See if any of these things fit you. Some of them fit me. Anger. That can be mixed in, mess up our saltiness. Apathy. You're here today. Do you think there might be some people today who chose, and I'm not talking about somebody who doesn't know the Lord, but I'm talking about people who know the Lord. Do you think there's some people today that just decided, I don't think I'll go to church today? Do you think that's possible? They're apathetic? Of course they are. Golf courses this morning are filled with them. Lakes are filled with them. On and on and on. I'm not talking about vacation. But apathy, maybe that has happened to us. Or we've been concerned about that person, but after the years, we get less and less concerned. How about bitterness? If that's mixed in. Discontentment. That's a big one for Christians. Discouragement. Disobedience. Distractions. Materialism. Pride. Instead, let us be this way. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already attained this, or I am already perfect. Now, this is Paul writing it. He did a pretty good job, didn't he? Greatest missionary of all time. But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Is that powerful? Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do... Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Man, I want to be more like Paul. What about you? You say, don't be more like Paul. Okay, I know. I want to be more like Jesus. But do you see? Do you see how salty he was? And one of my favorite passages in Scripture is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. Just think about that for a minute. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Let me close in this way this morning. God used dust when he made man. Would you agree with that? Remember reading that in Genesis? But he breathed into the dust, what? His divine breath of life. When God spoke to Moses in the desert, he revealed himself through a burning bush. When God called David to deliver the Israelites, he used a slingshot and some smooth stones. And when Jesus himself was born, think about this. God chose a peasant girl, a teenager, to give birth to Jesus Christ in a dirty stable. Let me give you hope today. If you're thinking, man, I need to be a little more salty. I'm with you. I do too. Listen, 
God uses small things. God uses small people. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to be this or that. You don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to be popular. Listen, God uses small things and small people. God uses me. And God uses you. If we will be salt of the earth. You see, it seems to me that the smaller you can become, I can become, the more effective God's work is in us. So let us be a little salty. Let us to be good for something. Good for God's work. The work in his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask today that you would penetrate, as salt does, your word in our lives. Lord, help us. Speak to us through your word. Not my words, but your words. Let this verse come over us. God, may we make a commitment to you today. May we say this day forward, I will fill in the blank. I will do fill in the blank. I will try fill in the blank. Lord, help us during this time. God, I want to be good for something for you and your work. So thank you, God, that these words of Jesus speak into our hearts so powerfully. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.